0: This is Daily Devotions Best Of with Pastor Tim Dodson from J.F. Believers Church. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting jfbelievers.com. Matthew chapter 12 verses 22 through 50. Verse 37 says, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So, as if to put a period at the end of his statements herein, he reiterates that the words that usher forth from our lips will most certainly place us in the category of the justified or in the category of the condemned. Verse 38 goes on, Then certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Now, these pious religious individu- individuals were incredulously asking for a sign. And you know, times haven't changed. Standing in the midst of the miraculous, they cannot see the miracle. Show us the signs. As if all that they had seen thus far, well, that was all just merely ordinary. As if more of the same would change their thinking and ultimately would change their hearts. And this is the same call that goes forth a thousand times a day uh, in our day. I mean, if only Jesus would prove that he's the Messiah and Savior. If somehow as if somehow he's fresh on the scene, you know, having never done anything which could be called supernatural or divine. They want to see a magician. They want to see a sorcerer, not a loving God in flesh who came to save them from their sin. Verse 39 says, but he answered them. An evil and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign, but no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So now in this small matter, verse 39 and 40, he would not oblige them. He instead tells them that nothing more would be given except, well, the ultimate manifestation of his deity. And that would be a miracle that many would fail to even recognize. And of the few that did, there would also be very few uh, that would acknowledge the power and significance of it. You see, there would only be a few that would realize later that what he meant by these two verses, that that even at this time, they, they probably didn't understand what he was speaking about. But in hindsight, we clearly see that Jesus was predicting his three days of death. In this, At this point, this was looming on the horizon. It was for this purpose that he ultimately came. It was this miracle to which he directed them, not the wise teaching that he had given, not the physical healings through which he had at this point grown quite famous. You see, these things were just small potatoes compared to the miraculous sign that he was now offering, which was the fact that he would die and be resurrected from the grave. Now, however awesome these past miracles might have been, it was not these things on which he would build his timeless monarchy. No, no, it was this one act of his rebirth, the miracle of his death upon the cross, his resurrection after three days. Not just because no one could do this, but because no one had ever done this and no one ever would. Verse 41 says, The men of Nineveh, well, they'll stand up in judgment with this generation, and they'll condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, someone greater than Jonah is here. So, now Jesus, desiring to make full impact here, he he likened his listener's generation to that of, of Jonah's Nineveh. And then it is no doubt equally intended for our generation. However, wicked Nineveh, it was renowned for for how bad it was, but the inhabitants, they were spared the destruction for which they had been summarily sentenced because they acknowledged their guilt and they repented of their sin. But the self-righteous, church-going, religious crowd that were listening to Jesus speak, as well as the one who may be sitting piously uh, back and hearing these words today, they refused to do the same as those in Nineveh. Blinded by pride, blinded by an inflated self-worth, we think ourselves outside of such judgment. And I'm here to tell you that terrible mistake will cost us an eternity. Verse 42 says, the queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with this generation and will condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, someone greater than Solomon is here. So verse 42 here is in reference to the Queen of Sheba. She was a Gentile, and she was without privilege or spiritual position, especially so in the Jewish world. She left her wealth, she left her comfort of her own land, and she traveled an incredible difficult distance because she recognized the wisdom and the power of an earthly king by the name of Solomon. So the idea here that Jesus is driving at is that if she recognized that kind of wisdom and power in Solomon and she willingly sacrificed at the level that she did to to just to meet him, how much greater is our blindness to fail to recognize the king who is being offered to us today? I mean, have we made that pilgrimage? Are we willing to make that journey of humility and sacrifice? Today's generation has difficulty traveling a few miles to church on Sunday with any regularity. And when they do, they leave their riches at home or in the bank, not at the feet of an acknowledged king. That's for sure. Verse 43 says, When an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he passes through waterless places seeking rest, and he doesn't find it. And then he says... I will return into my house from which I came, and when he has come back, he finds it empty and swept and put in order. And then he goes and he takes with himself seven other spirits more evil than he is, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. Even so will it also be to this evil generation. So now we have a fitting gener- a fitting warning. Some find this passage or these verses in this place to be merely circumstantial. But, you know, nothing Jesus ever did was circumstantial, nor when he did it was circumstantial. So he continues addressing the listeners here in a linear fashion, both then and now, and he has this info he already has placed on the table as a precursor. This story, has been found to be more than a spiritual analogy for so very many. I have seen it around me in ministry innumerable times over many years. You see, we can easily be guilty of recognizing that the house, quote unquote, is dirty. And then we can move to religiously clean up. So we sweep and we dust and from all outward appearances, things look so much better. You see, we fail to understand that it is Jesus that must do the cleaning, not us. And unless he comes to live there after the cleaning, well, we become like a vacuum. We start sucking in any and everything that is close by in any attempt to fill the emptiness that exists, yes, even in a clean house. Now, such an epiphany is failing to find its way into the hearts and lives of untold numbers of half-hearted religious seekers today, those who each Sunday sweep up a little, but they still go home from church empty. For these, it's only a matter of time before the vacuum will suck in the things of the world. You see, sitting in church each Sunday with false gods living in their heart, the reality of their spiritual state is actually worse than it was before. At least before they could see the reality of their state of heart, but now... Well, they're like blind men in a clean and organized house. Familiar and functional, but void of anyone else but themselves. Verse 46 says, while he was speaking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside seeking to speak to him. One said to him, behold, your mother and your brother stand outside seeking to speak to you. Now, you have to uh, know that this Seems like an ordinary occurrence, right? But Mark's gospel, uh, the account found therein, gives us a little more of the picture. Because in reality, it seems that perhaps Jesus had gone too far in the eyes of his family and friends. He was now too committed. He was now too sold out, too radical. Perhaps he had gone mad, they thought. Well, they had come to straighten him out. And what did Jesus do? Verse 48. And he answered him who spoke to him and said, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? He stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now, certainly that's a a shocking statement to make in our Uh, family first generation that we uh, seem to live in today. But there was no mistake here. I mean, the world never has and never will accept the sold-out individual. Well, unless it's for a medal or a trophy. For chapters now, Jesus has been calling the one who calls himself a believer. He has been calling him and defining the Christian so above the den and the rumor and all of the religious tide Jesus was quietly here in drawing a line in the sand those on the left the ones who are obedient to my will and all of it well you are with me. those here on the right the half-hearted the religious self-righteous the casual observer the curious on lurker the spiritual island, the political zealot, well, you all are lost. So once again, you see, really transformed, there is no doubt your life will be lost in Christ. Because at that point, it's clear that we belong to him. Our lives are lived for him. Our thoughts are consumed by him. Our hearts are given over. To our one true. Lord. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Pastor Tim and JF Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com.